Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and tonight I am joined by Jersey Drake Rogers. We are your favorite daily Florida State podcast, and we have a great show for you tonight. I'm in the Mobile Command Center, and Drake is off the road, so we flip-flop places there. We're going to talk about potential Oregon running back transfer, Trey Benson, and what he could mean for the Florida State Seminoles. Then we're going to look at the schedule. We're going to go game by game, and we're going to say, hey, now that we've added seven transfers that are all starting in the spring, one at linebacker, one in the backfield of the defense, one on the offensive line, and four, three at wide receivers, so there's one more in there I'm missing, oh, and one at defensive end with Jared Verse, what does that do when you're returning, I believe we're returning like 18 out of 22 starters, we'll go through that, what does that do to expectations for Mike Norvell in year three, should they be elevated, and what should they be elevated to? So let's dive in. Drizzy, roll that video. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, welcome back into Locked On Seminoles, your favorite daily Florida State podcast and YouTube show. The numbers on YouTube have been nuts, and we owe that to y'all. So we appreciate you watching every single day. Thank you for being here. If it's your first episode, I'm Max. That's Drake. You can see our Twitter handles down low. We both went to Florida State. Uh, we spent a collective 10 years, 10 and a half years there. Um, you know, it was a great 10 years. We, by, by the way, both just got bachelor's degrees. Uh, we got day jobs. He's a lawyer. I'm a business consultant. And independently, we have been covering Florida State for I guess a year and a half now. We love the team. We try to bring you the fan perspective of what's going on. And we hope y'all enjoy it. So if you do, make sure you subscribe. Hit the bell up top so you get notifications turned on. Hit the like button on this individual video. But most importantly, leave us a comment and let us know what you want to hear more about this offseason so we can bring that content to you like we will later today when we answer YouTube questions, comments, and concerns. But Drake, let's talk about Trey Benson. Last week, we talked about in the show, hey, maybe we need a transfer running back. Now, a lot of people on YouTube don't feel the same, and I, I, I kind of agree. Look, I think we have a good backfield. But I think it's one of those where if a ignore the injury of McKenzie Milton and think about what we thought McKenzie could have been, and he was great for the team, by the way. If that kind of running back, right, were to show up, I, I'm of the belief you should grab him immediately. Like, you don't have that good of a backfield that you're turning away good transfers. Now, Drake, we talked a bit before the show. Is Trey Benson that guy? Or is he kind of a puzzling, why are we taking him kind of guy? So I think it's more puzzling that, as we discussed later on the show, where Mike went to year three or year two, because, you know, we also had the years was a year zero year. If we gave him year zero, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we gave, we gave him year zero. But to me, it's kind of puzzling because he's he's more of a developmental project to me with a high upside because he's a very young kid. I think he has three to four years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. He also tore his knee similar to how Nick Chubb did back at Georgia I, before his actually his draft stock kind of plummeted. He tore everything in his knee besides his PCL. Uh, I did we did see him actually on campus today. He was not wearing a brace, which you know was a good thing or a bad thing, but depending on who you ask, that's a more of a preference thing. To me, it's something that. I personally probably would have grabbed someone else at the portal. Apparently, there's going to be some bigger names coming into the portal right now. Henry Parrish, the Ole Miss running back, who was a very solid get. He actually just committed to Miami. Sam Houston State has a running back right now with over 1,100 yards that's in the portal, too. And Trey Benson 
has six carries for 22 yards from this past season. So to me, if he gets a commit, that's fine and great. But this is someone that I personally would have gotten a little more, you know, bigger, uh, big game hunting, in my personal opinion, because we do need the extra bat for depth purposes. Or maybe you get creative. Kalen LeBourne was still here. Kalen LeBourne, you know, we still actually have the sort of high upside take with there. Maybe offer him the PWO, like a PWO option if you want to stay here. Do that as well. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, here's the thing. When a kid goes for disciplinary reasons, I think you have to burn that bridge. I don't, you know, I get what you're saying. Look, I, yeah. I, I respect that he got his degree, by the way. I saw that. He's going to transfer. Good for him. I just think if it's a disciplinary issue, you kind of have to stand firm in that. You know, you just can't. It's like, hey, go be great for someone else. Good job developing. You could have left school immediately. You decide to stay, get your degree. That's fair. Um, Watching this kid run, so Trey Benson, watching his highlights, there isn't much on tape to watch at Oregon. He graduated in 2020, so his high school highlights aren't that old. He wasn't that big of a kid in high school. I mean, he was, but he wasn't. He was six foot, six one, 195, 200 pounds, which isn't like Leonard Fournette, right? But it's not small. He did a lot of downhill running. His main go to his main move, it was either a stiff arm or to run someone over. I say that because that makes his knee injury a little less concerning to me because you think about right what is the lateral crucial ligament the anterior crucial ligament and what is the patellar crucial ligament a lot of that's your lateral movement right so i kind of expect a kid who runs downhill and his primary mode of attack is to run into you not around you to recover from that kind of injury more closely to his ceiling before the injury than someone who relies you know if toa philly had a similar injury right i get that so we'll see. I, I agree with you. I'd like to see the big game hunting as well. But I always throw this color in. Remember, and this isn't just for you, it's for our listeners, the portal's not free agency, right? Like we can only pick, you know, you can only get people who A, go into the portal, but B, show an interest in you. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. just call up the kid's agent because they don't have those and say, hey, blah, blah, blah. You know, if Kenny Dillingham doesn't have a relationship with the guy, at, or Kenny Dillingham, he's at Oregon, I'm sorry. Um, if Alex Atkins doesn't have a relationship with a guy, or Mike Norvell doesn't, or, and none of the analysts on staff know this kid from Adam's house cat, well, the kid can put his name in the portal, and what are they going to do? They just try to find his number and cold call him? It gets difficult. So I would add that color to the portal talk, but I agree with you. I don't think we need to add a kid to the running back room that has six carries in college and is coming off a major injury. I think that running back room is you've got your every down back, right? You've got Trayshawn Ford. I mean, he is your every down guy. You need him to block. You need him to catch. You need him to run. Whatever. See, You've got your scat back. Oh, sorry. That's why, actually, I want him back in, in actually the room now. I don't think Trayshawn Ward's an every down back. And we saw that, actually, a lot of the way it was implemented last year that, I mean, Jason Corbin was a a very, very good running back. Not elite. Not bad. Not I mean, better than average running back. Trayshawn Ward spelled him for a few times. And like I said last week, where, not sorry, the week before, Trayshawn Ward didn't have, doesn't have that home run speed that Jason Corbin had. There were often times where he was caught from behind. So to me, I wouldn't. I want someone that's because the Trey Benson pickup to me it leads me one of two things. One, it's like a development process that could be very, very good, but also it leads me to kind of worry that someone else in the room might be leaving. Whether it could be a DJ Williams or maybe a Lawrence Tofili who hasn't been able to stick in onto the field. So I know, but to me, with the Trey Benson pickup. It's a very interesting one, and it's also a developmental one, but I don't think Mike Neville has enough time for this upcoming season to kind of bank on these high upside, high project kind of players. Then that's kind of where more, I'm more puzzled with the pickup, but I get what you're saying. No, no, I'm with you, man. And look, I'll, I'll say this. When we were looking at the playoff games, it was a very common comparison of 
uh, Georgia and Michigan, right? They both do the same thing. Georgia just does it a little better. And look how that game ended up going. So I take that and I extrapolate it to this conversation of, does Trey Benson do anything that someone in your room doesn't already do better? From the six carries at Oregon, which can't take much from, but from his high school tape that I watched, from what you see from him on seven on sevens, those kinds of reports, the answer is no. He is a downhill power back that is not as powerful as DJ Williams. He is not as fast as Lawrence Toa Philly. He sure as heck doesn't have the scat back hands potential of a Ja'Kai Douglas, and he doesn't have, or at least has never shown, to have the every down. It's not just skill. It's not just endurance. There's a certain mentality you have to have to be able to go from, okay, I'm about to run a counter, then I'm going to block, then I'm going to run a wheel route that Trayshawn Ward does have. He may not have the skills of Jay Sean Corbin, but he's proven that he can do it all like a Swiss Army knife, albeit maybe a smaller, not as sharp one as you'd like him to be. So I, I don't, I don't see what need Trey Benson fills. And that's interesting that you bring that up about maybe that says something for the room. Now, to your point about why bring in a long-term prospect project if you're Mike Norvell and this really is your money year, I agree. I think that's what we're about to get into. We're going to look at the schedule one by one, and we're going to talk expectations because I think that he's doing something similar with the coaching staff. We got like, a, we got like 12 days, right? Tick, tick, tick. The time is going... Why haven't we heard anything about the wide receiver coach position? There's been no renewal for Ron Dugans, but there's been no cancellation. Now, maybe they're just waiting till late signing day, right? Maybe there's no point. We saw the same with Kenny Dillingham, right? Maybe there's just no point in getting rid of someone in Mike Norvell's perspective right up to signing day. Hell, Miami did the same thing with their head coach, Manny Diaz. They kept him on until the papers were signed with Mario Cristobal. So maybe it's something like that. One can only hope. But it seems interesting that Mike Norvell is projecting an air that he doesn't seem to realize how much he needs to win this year. He almost thinks he's got four more years to build this program. And I think what you and I are going to talk about in the next segment is, dude, you got to get it done now. Like, like let's go. This yeah, is it's your- a, uh, it's a lack of urgency. Like I, not even that's a great it, way to put it. Sorry, lack, lack of urgency. It's very like conservative. That. Also, I do want to put a caveat out there. I'm not hearing anything about any kids transferring out. I want to put that out there before someone yeah, runs, yeah, yeah. Runs, runs with my name. Yeah, exactly. I'm just speculating. I'm hyped. I'm a lawyer. All I do is hypotheticals all damn day. But you're right. It literally just seems to me that Mike. I don't know if Mike is too comfortable, but it seems like to me he's taking a very conservative approach to basically how he wants to fill this out. And no offense, Michael, you need to do something because as much as you heard year zero, you know, when your first year because of all the COVID situation, you're not the only one that dealt with it. And you're by, by far the only one right now that still has been kind of cratering out. So you kind of needed to figure something out, you know, coming in this year. Time flies when you're not having fun. And year zero was almost three years ago at this point. So he needs to get on it. Now, Drizzy, before we get into the expectations for next year, I'm bringing back a favorite segment, the betonline.ag line of the day. Folks, if you don't know me, you will. I don't watch much pro football. Here's the thing. I came to a crossroads in my life where I had to decide, do I spend my entire weekend on football or does one get, day get dedicated to golf? I decided I wanted to lower my handicap. I wanted to improve my game. And therefore, Saturdays are for the boys. Saturdays are for football. Sundays are for golf. And now in my older age, my daughter and family time, and I definitely can't dedicate both days of every weekend to football. That being said, we are now in the four weeks a year where Max cares about pro football. So, Drake, the betonline.ag line of the day for you. Kansas City Chiefs at home, minus two and a half against the Buffalo Bills. Who do you like in that game? Who would you take 
if you were to go to betonline.ag right now, make your account using promo code locked on, get a welcome bonus, and have some free money to throw on that game. The Kansas City Chiefs at minus two and a half, or the Buffalo Bills on the road at plus two and a half. It's really hard because I think Arrowhead's a very tough place to play. And I do think Patrick Mahomes kind of has, they're turning it on right now with that offense. And also the defense finally is kind of rounding out the form with a Frank Clark on the edge, a Chris Jones, uh, Derek Naughty up the middle, and Tyron Matthews showing why he's one of the better safeties actually in the league. So I'm actually, I really do love Josh Allen. He's probably one of my favorite players to watch. He's probably one of the best picks of a, at a QB besides him and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes himself. But I'm going to go actually probably with the Chiefs minus two and a half. I think it's very close, but I think it's a little of a trap line. It's a little, it's a little teasing for those Bills fans out there to take the money line too because that's probably well, that was my first inclination. But I think the Chiefs are just simply the better team. And to me, with this playoff game, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're up by 10 and then they barely cover by half a point. So give the Chiefs a minus two and a half to win at home. All right, man. BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag and use promo code Locked On when making your account to get a welcome bonus. Yeah, I didn't want to add more time to the segment, but my little cheat line on that one is uh, I, I I like that over of 55 and a half. I, although that's probably a trap too, because it just, that's I, I'm sure they're thinking everyone's thinking the over if it's cold and arrowhead, but these are the Bills, man. They're used to the chilly weather. I don't know if that's going to slow Josh Allen down. Drizzy, let's get into this schedule prediction. We're going to do it like, how do you want to, here's what I want to I wanted. I, I don't just want to do our like expected value thing. I'd rather do a more palatable version for the listeners, and we will do the fun percentages and all that later. But let's just go soup to nuts. Like you got to say win or loss. Like we're not going to play this sixty percent. We can do that. I'm fine with shit. that. Like we're going to just. Are we going to win? Are we going to lose? Now here is the kicker because I'm going to make a third call. And I want us to say whether or not we think we should win it or lose it. And that's going to be an important distinction because I can already spot one or two games where I'm going to say, like, from the perspective of Mike Norvell keeping his job is going to be how we frame that category. Does he need to win this game? You know what I mean? And yeah. we're going to say if he thinks he, we think he will or not. Because I think that that will, we'll see if there's any inconsistencies there. Um, much like Will Ferrell auditing his parents at the age of 12. There were inconsistencies, and I was grounded. Let's dive into this. So we got the Duquesne Dukes, or Duquesne, as David says. David Duquesne. You got to win that, right? Like, that's... If you lose that, I want him immediately fired, and actually probably, if the game's at Duke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you I get to lose to an FCS team. Yeah, I want him locked out of his office if he loses that game. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Because we've, we've got some time. Um, How much do you think that loss... To Jackson, Jacksonville State is going to hang over his head if he does end up getting fired. Like that'll be a marquee Mike Norbell moment, right? Like there's no way to ever escape that, right? Like if he if it works out, we'll probably never talk about it again. But if if he ends up going down in flames, like we will always talk about that loss, right? I think that thing will haunt him for the rest of his coaching career wherever he goes. I think that loss was that poor at home, the first ever loss in program history to your FCS team on a Hail Mary, in which you then, in your press conference, said you didn't even call prevent for because you were afraid of a field goal because of time on the clock. The press conferences will made it 10 times that's worse. The explanation yeah. was so bad. He put, so, he, put, he put his foot in his mouth pretty bad there. Like That's one of those, look, I'm a loyal guy, but that's one of those where you throw your freaking defensive coordinator under the bus. I mean, Fuller would have had, I'm not kidding, Fuller would have had his stuff in a suitcase that night. And in that, I will never understand. Good on him, I guess, but hey, 
you can die in the right if you're in the crosswalk, their light's red, and they're driving an SUV. You're probably not going to make it out of that one. So LSU, first of all, how important do we think this is for the fan base? Because to me, I think it is a high ceiling, low floor. I don't think it really matters if we lose, but I think if you win this one, you have a real opportunity to start the season on a very high note. So I think in that vein, to me, it's a must win because while that loss won't hurt you, that win is going to be needed when you inexplicably drop some game down the road. Like you give up a, what was it, third and 28 against Clemson to let them get in field goal range to blow a potential win over that rival. Like mm-hmm. to me, he's going to need this win in the in the pocketbook for later in the year. Or do you feel like maybe it's not that critical? I'm in the opposite. Uh, last year, I thought Notre Dame was probably more of a surefire win. I think the LSU game is going to be one of those games where I'm actually fine with a very close loss, primarily because I think Brian Kelly is actually a very good coach. I think LSU actually has a very talented roster with a very, very solid a quarterback room, very solid, you know, skill position group. And also Brian Kelly already knows how to torch an Adam Fuller defense. Now I know Adam Fuller is now the co-defensive coordinator along with Randy Shannon, which we can discuss that a different day. Big, day, big picture. Yeah, pretty much. And, but so to me, primarily, this is a game that I wouldn't be mind start off one-on-one because we probably were playing a, a Wake Forest the week after, maybe a Louisville, a weaker team, maybe hopefully a yeah. Georgia Tech, honestly. So to me, this is a game that I would like to win. But I kind of understand also how LSU is already a better program than we are. And also as well, I think they have a better coaching staff as a whole. ULL, I don't want to do any craziness. Like, I think we, so I'm going to give you a zero for LSU. Give me a one. I think you win that game. I do. I think that um, Brian Kelly is going to be so busy doing his booster tour and all the ring kissing you have to do at LSU to be. And the fake accent. Don't forget the the fake accent. Yeah, no, I'm dead serious. Like to ingratiate yourselves to the power brokers at LSU, it's not as straightforward as Notre Dame. And he's not a Southerner. He's got to like do all that stuff. And I genuinely think he's not going to be, have his team ready to go next year. And I think they're going to get off to a rocky start. Before we talk about the next games in the, in the sequence, I got to remind y'all, if you're getting off to a rocky start of your day, you probably need a little more protein. Maybe you had too many carbs. This morning, I had five pancakes for breakfast. I didn't have any protein. And I'll tell you what, when I got to the trampoline park with my daughter, got a little hairy in there for a minute. I was feeling rough. I was feeling depleted. I was like, I got too much glycogen and I need some protein to help the muscles get through the burning sensation of doing the, you know, the the trampoline ninja warrior course. So I should have grabbed a built bar and you should too. I usually grab them as part of my morning routine, but hey, it was a holiday, threw me off. So make sure that y'all go to builtbar.com. Order whatever flavor you like, but they've all got 17 to 19 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar and only 5 grams of carbs. They are delicious, they are nutritious, and they will get you through your day the way we hope that Mike Norvell and company get through this season with a winning mentality. BuiltBar.com, and while you're there, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. So what we're really talking about going through the schedule is how have the expectations changed? Because we're not just looking at the schedule. What we're looking at is we have like 18 starters coming back, I think it is. And, yeah. Right, because we're losing, um, we're losing. Uh, 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 oh my gosh, one of the best Florida State players in history. Jermaine Johnson. Man. Jermaine Johnson. Kier we're losing Jason Corbin. We're losing Kier Thomas. We're losing, um, uh, I feel like we're losing someone at receiver. Andrew Parchment. Andrew Parchment, thank you. So like, those are your four main starters that are gone. And I can't really think, I can't think of anybody else that was a major contributor as a starter um, that's out of there. So you're bringing back a lot of this roster that did win five games. That was a hair from beating either Clemson or Florida, right? A couple plays go a couple different ways. 
literally one play from Jackson State. I mean, this this team ultimately, Drake, is it fair to say it was probably a grand total of five plays from being a seven-win team? Maybe an eight-win team with a win over Notre Dame if, like, one or two things in overtime go the right way? Yeah, I think this should be an eight-win team the past season. That's kind of why my that's why I'm saying that we should be winning eight games this, kind of, this coming next year, primarily because I thought the QB room was pretty solid. Jordan, Jordan Travis definitely took the next step up. Now I need to see him actually throw and with anticipation, not waiting for wide receiver to be completely open. The defense took a huge stride forward this coming year. And also, with the DBs actually finally showed up. We actually finally had a pass rush. We didn't get a lot of good DBs the past two recruiting classes primarily because lack of pass rush, no DB wants to be an island. You can ask Amari Harvey. You can ask Terry Arnold, too, as well. That's why we didn't land them. So, to me, I'm actually very excited to see this team as a whole, but now I need to see this sort of coaching staff actually be in put these kids in a position to win the game and kind of close out. Cause it feels like for a lot of these things, we're not able to close out at the end of games. So then is it fair to say, look, you're bringing back like 18 starters, I believe is the number from a team that was a few plays away from winning seven or eight games that won five, but now you've added seven pieces from the transfer portal that are all purportedly, purportedly potential starters for you. Your expectations have probably gone up with the addition of those guys by at least a half game, right? Maybe a full game. I, I think one, I, I think at least one. So Florida uh, is the next one. So like, here's the thing, man, and, and we'll try to move a little more quickly on these, but I don't think there's an expectation you beat Florida this year. I think the casual fan really wants us to, myself included, but I don't think it would be fair to expect Mike to beat this team. They've out-recruited us for five years in a row, and though that runs deep, right? Billy Napier, I don't think is a world beater. I really think he's he'll be about a Will Muschamp there. I mean, I really could see him having one or two good seasons followed by two or three really bad seasons and then getting his pink slip. He's not going to be a Steve Spurrier regardless. So, uh, you know, but I don't know if this year is the year that you could expect us to be Florida. What do you think? I think you should be Florida. I think you should have beat him last year. And also one of my big things, I know it will be a closer game than this year because like you said, there were a lot of the, was the muff punt. The yeah. losing to transfer for half the game, too, which is why we wanted the transfer quarterback, you know, in the first place to, to bring back death. The only concern I have is is that Billy Napier is bringing in a lot of Louisiana Raging Cajuns from his old roster. Mike didn't do that last year. I mean, his first year to coming in. So they already know the culture. They already know what to expect from Billy Napier and what he's going to be running. So it's going to be an interesting game. But I am of the full belief that you should beat them okay. uh, because it's either going to be Emory Jones or maybe AR-15. But we're going to see actually who is the starting quarterback for the Gators. All right, so then what do you think is going to happen? You give them a one or a zero? You think we win this one or you think we go home? I think give me a one. I don't think it's this year yet. I, I think LSU is your win. I think in the Florida LSU, I think you split those, and I think LSU is the more likely one. Uh, let's go. All right, speed round. Jamie Lynn, Mary Lynn, Tammy Lynn, Justin. Anyway, Becky. Boston College. Uh, Phil Jerkovic, is he coming back? Phil Jerkovic and Zay Flowers are both coming back. Yeah, we lose that one. Here's the problem, though. I'm going to say we lose that one, but I'm going to say you have, like, that is, like, I don't think this fan base will ever accept a loss to Boston College. Not just because it's Boston College, but because Boston College is the one that shut us out, what, four years ago now, embarrassed us in the cold and made it, like, just ugly. So I think there's kind of that double, that double reason of, like, one, it's freaking Boston College. Two, you're always going to want revenge for that game. And I don't think that the people who write booster checks are ever going to say, no, it's okay to lose that one. Yeah, no, I think we should win that game primarily because it's gonna actually going to be at Doke. And I, if it's the, and the earlier the game, honestly, the better because I think you still need Phil Jerkovich to be fully healthy from the surgery he had. Also with Zay Flyers, too. But also, they lose other weapons, too, as well on the outside. So give me, and also, they lose two linemen to the NFL. So give me Boston, give me a win over Boston College. 
yeah, I've got an expectation as a win, and I've got them losing, but I don't know. Now, you know what? I'm going to roll with Mike and the boys. I'm going to give us a win. Here's the other thing. If we play that game early in the year, I told, I've told this story before, but some of y'all are here for the first time. I remember the first time after living in D.C. for like three years, coming down to Florida to play golf in the summer. Here's the thing. In D.C., if you're listening in D.C. and you think, oh, our summers get hot too. No, they don't. Your summers don't get hot. I never woke up in D.C. like for work, right? Sometimes if I slept in on the weekend maybe. to a, But I never woke up to a temperature above 80 degrees. It might be 95 later in the day. But you wake up and it's not that hot. And the heat doesn't come in. I was wearing a North Face jacket in April most of the time. You're still wearing sweaters in May. It's not an oppressive heat that just bakes in from March until November. And that's what we have in Tallahassee. So when those kids try to come down and play us in like early September, it is, a noon game September 25th is just as hard for them, in my opinion, as us going up there for a night. Oh, it November. sucks, man, for them. Dude, like they're not used to this heat. This humidity sucks, just, too. Well, it just cooks your brain. Like, when I came down from D.C. to play golf the first time, like three years in, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, dude, this is – like, I couldn't even think by the 12th hole. I was like, this is this is absurd. I don't want to be in this heat. My brain, my body is not used to it. But um, anyway, Clemson, I uh, – we'll come back. Georgia Tech, you got to beat Georgia Tech. I, you don't have a choice. Yep. It, that one is up there where, like, if you lose that game, you're fired. I, dead serious. I think – Let's let's play this game. I know folks were jumping around, but it's Tuesday as you're listening to this first day of the week because of the holiday. Who are the? I'm going to say this. I'll give my top three first. I'll let you go. Of FBS teams, it's ULL University of Louisiana Lafayette. <laughs> it's Georgia Tech and it's Syracuse. If you lose one of those games, just pack your. Shit. Don't bother coming back to the locker room. Those are the three on the schedule where it's like those teams are going to be so bad this year because of a combination of losing head coaches. You know, Syracuse is losing, like, the one recruiting class, of, which was the 2018 class that was any good. Most of those kids are on their way out. Tino Babers probably does not see another year at Syracuse. You got Georgia Tech. Is Did they fire Jeff Collins or they're about to? No, they, they still got Jeff Collins, but they lost Jimmy. They lost their one, yeah, right. They lost their one good player to who Alabama, I think it was. Yep. Um, yeah, they're, you can't lose one of those three games. All right, so Wake Forest, what do you think here? I think you I think you should win that game primarily because I know Sam Harbin is a very good QB. He is coming back, but you do lose Jakar Roberson on the outside for them. They do keep A.T. Perry, but they also lost, I think, Christian Beal-Smith. I think the other running back is his name has escaped me. It's To me, this is a team that they were really, really great this year. They are the best Wake Forest team of all time, probably yeah, by their best. standards. Yeah, second best. Second best? Oh, oh, wait, it was a better team. They actually won the conference. They went to the Orange Bowl. They, beat, they shut out Florida State at home. They had, like, two draft picks on that team on the defense. I know uh, this was yeah this was the second best of all time that all right. and the ACC was a hard it was a harder win that year when they won the conference too. Uh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, but, but to it me, was I a think, great Wake Forest team. Great, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a great, great Wake Forest Wake Forest. Team. Shout out Cam Lemons, the bro. But to me, this is a team that you should be because I, I think as well it's at home too. That's definitely gonna be help yep. you out a lot. And to me, the home factor should be a thing. And I think we should win this game handily. Yeah, and and Louisville is gonna be one of those next for me of expectation as a one. The fan base will always expect to be Louisville. But I think Malik Cunningham has slept on, man. I'm with you now on the Scott Satterfield sucks train, but Malik Cunningham's a darn good quarterback. And, like, you get blown out by him two years ago. You make it a lot closer this year, but there was sort of that, did they stop playing in the second half? You know, because that was when – but that was a turning point of our season. I genuinely believe that that defense playing that well in the second half, you saw the season started to go a lot better. Although, again, there was a lot of, lot of back-and-forth shots on Twitter about, you know, Whatever. We, we don't have to get into that whole argument. 
The point is, we got to go to Papa John's Stadium again this year, and I just I don't know if this is a team you're going to be able to pull a win against. Oh yeah, I think I'm we sorry. lose this game. I think, I think we lose this game, and I think it's for one you said. I think Dave has been saying for a while that Malik Cunningham is actually a very damn good QB. I wouldn't be surprised if he's listed for Heisman odds, and I would take those because I think that I think it's one of the few teams that. In spite of how bad their head coach is at his job, I think the QB is good enough to actually outweigh how poor of a play caller he is. And Malik Cunningham is, he's the closest thing that we've had, you know, to Lamar Jackson in a very long time. I'm not saying he's the same player, but he's got a great arm, he's got great legs, and he's a dynamic playmaker. I just think his head coach holds him back. I don't think Scott Satterfield's very good at coaching football. I don't nope. think he has the weapons, but I think we lose that game. All right, Miami, North Carolina State, Syracuse, and Clemson are our last four. We're going to speed round this with NC State, Syracuse. What do you think the what should be expected? And what do you think happens? We should win both of those games, and we probably are going to win both those games. I think N State loses a lot. I think Syracuse is a bad team. I'm not going to go any further than that. Okay, agreed. Um, Clemson and Miami. You know these ones are tough for me. Clemson. I don't think you should expect to be Clemson this year. I, I look. I'm not going to say there's going to be a huge Clemson resurgence. And I think the reason we're doing this right now on on uh, January 17th, as we're list as we're recording this, 18th as you're listening. We're doing a full schedule breakdown because we're going to recalibrate this. Guys, projections are a living document, right? If we go out there and we start 0-6, I'm going to start changing some of these predictions. And don't come back to this episode in October and be like, well, you said, yeah, with the information I had in January, I said that. Now, if we start out 8-0 and we're going on the road against Clemson and they're 5-3, and well, yeah, I'm probably going to, or we're sorry, we're playing in Doak this year and they've got to come to us. I'm like, yeah, it's the first time they've played in Dope Campbell in four years. Because remember, last game they came to Dope Campbell got canceled because of COVID. So they played at Death Valley, one cancellation at Death Valley. Four years ago is the last time they had to face our stadium. Our fans get wild for Clemson, and they're 5-3 and three and we're 8. No, yeah, I'm probably going to project that as a win. But right now, as things sit in January, they still have the number one quarterback of the 2020 class in DJ Uyunglele. And they now have the number one quarterback of the 2022 class in Cade Klubnik. And until those dudes aren't on the roster, and until you show me that we got a front of five guys that can block with the best of them and that are all going to be NFL draft picks and Jordan Travis has time to work back there, I'm not going to pick you to beat Clemson preseason by nine months. Just isn't going to happen. And I don't think it'd be fair. And I'm lobbying here. I'm not just giving expectations because I want to sway Drake's answer. I don't think it'd be fair to put that expectation on Mike Norvell preseason from the lens of, him keeping his job that he goes out there and beats Clemson. Yeah, I want to win this game, but I don't, I can't right now, to your point, expect this to be a win, even though I do think that the Clemson game this year was extremely attainable. We probably should have won that game. Yeah. I mean, there's a few miscues here and there because trust me, that game was, uh, that, that game to me just. Yeah, they need to make change 27 shirts. I mean, dude, there, there was no excuse to lose that game this year, but I still think it was your best shot. Yeah, um, I'm not as scared of Kay Klubnik, to be quite honest with you. We'll see how he kind of turns out. I mean, it also kind of assisted the state of the quarterback room when they just picked up Hunter Johnson, who transferred from Clemson to Northwestern and then is now transferring back after a year at Northwestern. Did he really? So, yeah, he just did that, yeah, he just did that today. Uh, oh, I saw – yeah, okay, I saw a headline. I thought they were talking about Max Johnson because they said it said nah. QB transfer Johnson goes to Clemson. I was like, I thought he went to Texas A&M. But so, speaking of transfer me, quarterbacks, Chubba, enjoy Nebraska. I know it's going to be a little cold, but – uh. You know, I'm sure you'll have a great time learning from Scott Frost. Enjoy. Anyway. Yeah, so to me, that shows me how Clemson is not super stoked about their QB room. They're also losing a lot of kids to the portal on both the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. But I can't right now in good faith pick this as a win. 
because we haven't beat them since what 2015 2016 at this point so to me no we lost them in 15 2014 was last time sorry 2014 yeah so i can't in good faith pick us to win that game i want to and quite honestly after seeing the game this past year we probably should but I'm not going to put that against Mike because I trust me. I got I already got enough ammo against Mike right now for a lot of stuff. So 100. And last one, um, Miami. I mean, look, I gave Florida a 0.5 for expectations. I think I do the same for Miami. I think we say you got to split those games. You got you can't not beat a rival this year because thank you Andrew Parchment, your one contribution to Florida State. Like you beat Miami last year, and the reality is like once you cross that threshold, fans are not going to accept a backslide from beating one rival to beating zero. Like, I think you got to beat Florida or Miami. I personally think you beat Miami this year. I don't believe in Mario Cristobal. I get he beat Ohio State on the road. That was an awesome win. I really think that's great. I, I'm glad he was able to recruit Thibodeau, who apparently doesn't know the difference between stigmas and astigmatism. One is how you view something. One affects your view of everything. He got those confused. I get it. It's fine, because let's be honest, sorry, Oregon, you still have an 83.5% acceptance rate. I don't know why he tried to characterize that place as like an academically prestigious institution, but what do I know? I only went to FSU with a 32% acceptance rate, so uh, I guess there's a stigmatism about that, too. Anyway, I don't believe in crystal ball. I just, I don't. I believe in crystal ball about as much as I believe in crystal balls, and I don't believe in crystal balls because I think that, you know, unless Josh Newberg or Bud Elliott is putting one in, they're probably not right. So I think we beat, I think we win that game. I think we go down to that rented stadium and I think we just ignore the cleaning fee and we trash that Airbnb and we get out of there and we cancel the credit card on file with no intention to ever use the app again. I hate to say this. I think we lose this game. I actually <laughs> do. I actually, and it's funny because last year going into the year, we thought the opposite. I thought we we're going to beat Miami, lose to Florida, and you thought that we we're going to beat Florida, lose to Miami. I primarily think that Marcus Oxy is a very good head coach. Now, it also depends on who their OC that they're going to be hiring is going to be. Reports out there right now that I think Doug Nussmeyer, that I think the Cowboys coach right now is being approached by that. And to me, it'll be very telling if they actually make the hire for the offensive coordinator spot, primarily because if it's that guy, I'll change it. We'll beat Miami. But I think this might come down to quarterback play. I do think Tyler Van Dyke is a very damn good QB. He proved me extremely wrong, and he might have some solid weaponry next year. It's very it's why it's a huge thing that Kevin Coleman did not go to Miami. He went to Jackson State instead. But they still have a Michael Redding. They still have a Xavier Strepple too. They still got Jalen Nine, Don Chaney, Thad Franklin in the backfield, and a solid offensive line. So and they're bringing in transfers. And with Mark Cristobal, I think this is going to be a very telling game. And quite frankly, if we lose this game, I would not be surprised if this might be the game that actually does give Norvell his, his walking papers. Yeah, I, you know, look, I think you said a bunch of names. I only said one, Mario Cristobal, and I think that that's kind of a who do you believe, you know, who do you think is going to is gonna affect the game more, the players on the field or the guy with the headset on? I think both are fair perspectives. So just to speed round it through, we both have wins at Duquesne. I've got a win over LSU. You've got a loss. Both have wins over Louisiana. I You've got a win against Florida. I actually have a set of zero against Florida. Um, we both have wins over Boston College. Neither of us have a speed in Clemson. Both have us beating Georgia Tech, both beating Wake, neither beating Louisville. We split Miami. I think we're going to win. You think it's going to be a loss. NC State and Syracuse, both one win each, or both two wins each. Sorry, we think we're going to win both those games. We also said Syracuse, NC State, and Georgia Tech. If you lose one of those games or Louisiana, just pack it up. You're done, Mike. Where we got to with our 
expectations was nine and a half. I let us do half games on the expectations because, you know, I like the betting line. Mm. I think nine and a half is a very reasonable over-under for this team next year. You look at bringing back all these starters. You're bringing back a collective, right? Like, what's 22 times three is 66. 66. You're bringing back probably 55 years of Power 5 football experience onto this roster, right? Like, that's that's not something to shake a stick at, and that's something where you have to perform. You've got us at eight wins. I've got us at nine. So, interestingly enough, neither of us have us at the over. Do you still, last thing for the people, stand by the statement we made two weeks ago where eight wins you stay for sure, seven you stay but you're on the hot seat, six you might be gone, and five he gets a pink slip? Or have you recalibrated those expectations a bit? Yeah, you can't fire him after eight wins. You just simply yeah. can't because that will actually lead – give credence to what you've been saying with incremental, you know, S&P Plus, FBI. I think Brandon was doing the same thing. And to me, seven wins is especially like you need to probably, you know, see some people like at the door. I think Adam Fuller might be one of the first ones to go as well as maybe Ron Dugans because I have a bad feeling that he might still be actually be under contract past the 31st date. And if you win six games, congrats. You made a bowl. Unfortunately, the standard is not the, is the standard. And quite frankly, you're not, miss, you're not making it. And David Colburn said best two years ago, six and six isn't good enough. So if you win six games, you're out. Yeah, if you if you win six games, you're going to the eligible for other employment line. So yeah, folks, we have us eight, us at eight wins for Drake, nine wins for me, and we guessed your expectations are going to be about nine and a half. Let us know in the comments if that is correct or how y'all see this year going. But until tomorrow, I'm Max. That was Drake, and this was Locked On Seminoles. See y'all tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Michael, please win some damn games. I'm being depressed. My resolution is failed.